From Nevada Public Radio, I'm Joe Shaneman at State of Nevada, and uh, that was obviously not our music, and, and we'll tell you why. Record label owner, filmmaker, photographer, communications girl for UNLV's College of Fine Arts, Shahab Zaghari, wears more hats than almost anybody in Las Vegas' creative community. His films have screened at San Diego's Comic-Con and won awards at other festivals. His recent project with the UNLV Shoah Survivors Project won Best Documentary Short in the London Indie Short Festival last year. At the same time, he has a record label called Gakito Comet Records. For 24 years, it's highlighted local and international bands. And this month, it's doing something different. Zagari has produced a compilation album in honor of other local, uh, another local arts advocate, with part of the sales going to the Trevor Project, which addresses suicide in the LGBTQ community. Shahab, welcome to State of Nevada. Thanks for having me, Joe. It's great to have you. You know, it's obvious you love what you do. Uh, before we get into a lot of this, uh, how do you maintain that? What drives you to keep being creative like this in so many different areas? I, I don't think there's a specific science to it. I just, I can't stop doing it. It's something that um, is a creative outlet for me, is something that I, um, you know, I really admire the fact that the arts can be cathartic, the arts um are uh, a way for humans to kind of take a step back and look at their lives and look at the human condition. So definitely a huge fan, and I just can't stop. I don't know what the science is to it, but I just can't. But sometimes our artists have to stop if they don't have the audience, but you've kept this record label going for 24 years. That's pretty amazing. So you must get an audience. Uh, how have you managed to keep it going? So we do have a bit of a, a cult following, I, I would say. Um what ended up happening in uh, 2003, Napster and the stealing of music hurt the big guys in a big way. Um, all of the you know big record labels, Sony, Capital, they were really scared of this digital uh, frontier. Um, for us, you know, it was it was almost akin to mixtapes in the 80s. It was actually kind of a good thing for us if people downloaded something on LimeWire. They could then catch the band when they came through town, pick up a shirt, pick up a CD, that kind of thing. Um, but because the big guys got scared, three of our distributors shut down. Um, only one of them sent our uh, merchandise back, uh, and none of them paid us what they owed us. So at that point, uh, <laughs> you know, we were like, what do we do? How do we go from here? So we kind of shifted, and now everything that we do is project-based. So where is your studio? So we don't record the bands. We are the label oh, that oh, okay. puts out the merchandise, the CDs, the records, the you know USB sticks and that kind of thing. Um, so we work with a lot of different studios. Uh, if they're international bands or you know from San Francisco, that kind of thing, they have their local um, folks. We generally go to Naked City Audio. Uh, a lot of our records over the past 10 years have been recorded there, and they're right off industrial. When you say we, I assume you're talking about your wife, Hila, a co-owner who runs the label. Um, how does that work, working with your wife on this? Does it help? It, it actually does. You know, I'm the head-in-the-clouds idea uh, person, and she's, you know, essentially the uh, – 
you know, not necessarily the breaks on things, but the realist. Uh, she's the librarian in the Henderson uh, Library District. And so she has that kind mm. of analytical brain. And it really kind of, it works. It really is a yin and yang. Who, who else? Do you, do you have other helpers? We do. We do. So uh, Brock Fabiel, who um, is actually the front man of Go Bold. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's a part of the label. Jacob Gallegos is a part of the label. Kevin Sanders. It's, it's really, you know, on the website we say it's a family. And so it's, it's a, a nice, uh, tight-knit group of friends, and we just love what we do. Well, what do you look for when you are, are picking bands to promote or to put on an album? One consideration is, you know, as a small outfit, can we do them justice? If there isn't a, a synergy, if it isn't a win-win, we kind of pass on bands um, because we don't have the Sony budgets to promote things. We do have to take things, you know, one step at a time. Um, but generally, uh, like I said, every new release nowadays in, you know, 24 years in, each one is a new art project, different benefactors, different people coming to it. And so each time it's almost like doing a curating a new you know, art exhibit almost. How, how many albums might you do in a year? Uh, that depends. Um, I would say anywhere between four and eight. Okay. And you have a lot of uh, other irons in the fire, and I, w I want to get to those, but I want to talk about this compilation album yeah. that you put together. It's 16 cover songs by bands who've been with your label, and during this month, March, 100% of the sales will go to the Trevor Project, which addresses suicide in the LGBTQ community. We're going to have a link to that at knpr.org. And the album is your way of paying tribute to Emily Matview, she was a photographer who ran the music site punksinvegas.com. She died in 2021. Um, talk about Emily and, and why you're doing this. So, yeah. So Emily uh, was a photographer, as you mentioned. And so I bumped into her in photo pits, shooting photos of bands and concerts and music festivals. So we saw each other quite a bit. Um, Brock, who I mentioned earlier, frontman for Go Bold, actually created the Punks in Vegas logo, the first logo. Um, and it really, you know, the thing that stood out to, you know, Gila, my wife and I, uh, about Emily and the Punks in Vegas crew is the amount of support that they would give to local acts, to national acts coming through Las Vegas, whether it was on the website or on the YouTube channel. Um, just like, you know, the really kind words you said about me earlier are things that we would think about Emily. She didn't take money. She just supported the arts in, uh, you know, any way, uh, shape or form. Um, by 2021, by the time she took her life, she did um, believe that she was a part of the LGBTQ community. And because the Trevor Project, you know, first of all, uh, they've been around since 1998. So we really wanted whatever we did for Emily uh, to, um, you know, be something that it, there's no red flags. There's no questions about what they do or how they do things. Um, but it really does focus on suicide prevention efforts of LGBTQ youth. So that's why we chose them. Um, so the, the cover album. Why, why the cover album? So we knew we wanted to do something for her. Um, and so what we, we, we thought, we thought, and we said, okay, well, over this 24 plus years of doing this uh, record label, we've done a lot of compilation albums. 
okay, well, what's what's the you know glue there? Okay, well, a lot of bands they either give an old song, they record a new song. Sometimes when re- they record the new song, they record a cover song. So we went through, and almost like doing like an, a radio hour. Okay, this is all covers. We curated all of the cover songs that were used on other compilation mm-hmm. albums. Interesting. So you have punk bands covering songs from everybody from Leslie Gore to The Police to The Misfits. Two local bands even cover a former local band holding on to sound. And we're going to play a bit of that. This is Tommy Boy by The Rifleman. Tommy Boom, boom, boom. Tom Boy became a man Driving outside Afghanistan Saw a couple of fellas in the desert Didn't look too friendly So he raised his gun And he took his time Till his convoy ran around Old landmine and Tommy Won't be coming home And there won't be no celebration And that was part of Tommy Boy by the Rifleman it's one of 16 songs in a compilation album on GK Records, the GK Records label. To be, re- It's going to be released tomorrow. The album honors the late photographer Emily Matview with part of the sales going to the Trevor Project, which addresses suicide in the LGBTQ community. And I'm here with Shahab Zaghari, owner of uh, GC Records, who is really much more than just a record label owner. He's an award-winning filmmaker, a photographer. He shoots videos and does social media for students at UNLV's College of Fine Arts. And to many, he's a symbol of Las Vegas' burgeoning arts scene. So, Shahab, how did you get into films? So I was born in Los Angeles. And, you know, I I think it was an interesting place to grow up uh, in elementary school when people would bring their, you know, here's my dad. This is what he does at work day. Uh, it was people who did special effects on Poltergeist and things like that. Whoa. So I, I was always interested in it. Uh, never went to film school. Never uh, felt I, ha- I had the confidence to do it until fast forward, 2008, Hila and I uh, picked up everything, picked up the label. Our kids moved out here to Vegas, which is where she grew up, coincidentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and ever since we uh, moved here, we... You know, no, I lost my train of thought. Uh, that's okay. I was just wondering how you got into films after you oh, moved that's here. Sort of yeah. So then we ended up doing a commercial for the Luxor. I was essentially just the person who uh, did the, uh, you know, setup and met with the VP of marketing. I didn't direct it. I didn't edit it. I didn't produce it. But that ended up winning four national awards, and that's when I got my confidence. I called the producer. I said, okay, I want to do it, and that's when I shot my directorial debut. Wow, that is interesting. You know, in in 2013, you adapted the short story The Crystal Crypt by sci-fi author Philip K. Dick. It was accepted at Comic-Con, the comic book culture convention in San Diego. This is the same place that the Marvel comics, you know, talk about their movies, the stars all show up, and you had just talked, you know, seconds ago about you felt too shy to be in the film industry when you when you really wanted to be. What was it like to be sharing stages and locale with some of these stars in these movies? It was absolutely crazy. They gave us, you know, a panel just like they do all the Marvel people. Um, you know, where we did a giveaway. It it really it was it was quite uh 
an amazing feat, especially thinking that that was my directorial debut. So at the same time, it was also daunting because now I can't go backwards. <laughs> yeah. Now everything I make has to be, you know, on par or better than that. And by the way, we're going to have a link to your short films at knpr.org. And I wonder if this was a move forward. Uh, we mentioned the UNLV show, A Survivor's Project, earlier. It's currently showing at film festivals, and your film features four local Holocaust survivors, and you use dancers from the UNLV dance department to give the stories this this artistic flair. First of all, how did this project come to you? Uh, it was COVID. So this wasn't my idea. I was a cinematographer and editor on the project, um, but it's something that would happen in person. So uh, Roberta Sabbath, who is in the Liberal Arts College, she does these oral histories with veterans, Holocaust survivors. And then what they do is they go to the Barrick Museum of Art and collaborate with the UNLV Dance Department. And as the people who wrote the oral histories read them aloud, the dancers interpret it. COVID came along. They couldn't do that. Um, and these four survivors were in their late 90s or already 100, and time was running out. We couldn't wait for COVID to mm. go away. And so Roberta approached uh, the dean of the College of Fine Arts, Nancy Usher, and asked her if it was okay if, you know, if Shahab came apart, you know, became a part of this project. And so at that point, we filmed the survivors. We filmed them reading the, the um oral history. And then we took about 13 months to come up with choreography, shoot the choreography, and then figure out what, how does this final product look? Is it talking heads and then we cut to a dance or is it voiceover? What, how are, how is this structured? Mm. So, you know, the film goes from pre-war, war, liberation, and then final thoughts. And that's kind of the story you go along. And it's free to watch if you just Google the UNLV show, A Survivor's Project. Uh, it's online. You can watch it. There's uh, subtitles and chapters, so you can kind of pause and come back to it if you need to. For, for those watching, uh, why does that work? So I feel, you know, in this day and age where uh, in many countries uh, all across the globe, um, fascism is on the rise. Um, I think it's a, kind of like a, a look at what's going on now uh, by listening to stories, um, you know, from the past. Um, Henry, one of our um, survivors, did actually pass away. So I'm really, really happy that we got his final thoughts uh, on film. But I think, you know, it's it's something to where, you know, watching the dancers, you can almost escape and not have to. I mean, it really is some brutal stuff. And, and editing it took a long time because, you know, trying to piece this footage with what they're saying here and then listening to what they're saying again and again and again. I mean, really, it was it was kind of a heavy subject. And mm -hmm. I'm glad that, you know, people all around the world are seeing it. Uh, the There's a uh, center in Krakow that is going to uh, put it on their website for Holocaust uh, Remembrance Day. And that was a really nice wow. uh, thing to happen. And so, yeah. I know you'll you'll do a heady project like that. Uh, I think is very important. Um, you also shoot short videos for local bands, especially those on your label. And I can't see how most punk bands would be able to afford a music video. So how do you get funded, and how do these get made? 
So for, for the ones that are on the label, it's almost the label perk, you know. Like I said before, we don't have the $10 million to, you know, that like a ludicrous album would have for marketing and billboards and, and you know, pay-per-click and all that. So our way of giving back to our bands is doing lyric videos or official music videos. And we just bankroll those ourselves as the label. Um, for other um, bands, I mean, usually they, you know, pay and we do it right and uh, hopefully they're happy kind of thing. Uh, let me re- reintroduce our guest. Shahab Zargari is the co-owner of GC Records. He's a filmmaker, a photographer, and a communication specialist at Yonavi's College of Fine Arts. And uh, I don't think it's too much to say he's kind of a, a renaissance man here in Las Vegas. <laughs> Thank you. And and I want to turn to your job at UNLV. You essentially promote a lot of the different departments in the College of Fine Arts. That includes music, film, dance. What's your daily work like doing all that? Because I don't have a clone of myself, it's a lot. Uh, yeah. You know, it's seven academic units. It's the Performing Arts Center. It's, uh, you know, Barrick, uh, Museum of Art, Donna Beam Fine Art Gallery. Um, and and not just those units, but the promotion of the performances and exhibitions, as well as the student, alumni, faculty news, you know, uh, groundbreaking projects, things of that nature. Between the lectures performances, exhibitions, events like the Hall of Fame and UNLV Art Walk, the Fine Arts College is the most event-heavy college Mm -hmm. on campus. So I do have my hands full, not only with the amount of things that are to be promoted, but the algorithms that we are fighting on, you know, social media and all of that. you you probably never sit at home and watch TV or, or play video games. I try. That my my you know perfect day is alone at home playing video games with my dog by my side. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. I just don't. I yeah, I have yeah. so too many projects. Now, you're not a professor. You're known for your creative projects. I, do students come to you for help? Um they do pick my brain. They, they come and pick my brain. Uh, a lot of the faculty uh, are kind enough to bring me into their classrooms and, you know, give kind of like guest lectures. Um, but when I am, you know, working in my capacity as, you know, communications, you know, out there shooting what they're doing, the dress rehearsals and theater, I do get a chance to interact with the students. Um, and that's always really cool because they can come to me and pick my brain and I can tell them how it went for me and hopefully it helps them along their path. Yeah, you know, college is such a hopeful time. Students are learning new things and, you know, the world, it's like their oyster. You know, they feel they can do anything. You know, you know what the arts culture is like, you know, how difficult it is. You have a day job mm-hmm. while you do your arts. I wonder if you ever sometimes look at these students and, and want to tell them, you know, this is really hard what you want to do. With your life, I, I you know I, I I never even though I'm a very kind person I feel I I don't ever sugarcoat things so I usually tell them you know let let's say let's just stick to one let's say film just because a film festival rejects your submission and it does hurt because that submission was twenty thirty forty dollars it's not personal don't take it personal what's happening there is that they have fifty slots and 5,000 entries. Just a numbers game, you couldn't get in. They they slotted their 50. And so don't take it to heart, don't feel sad. You know. And so these things, they, they hadn't thought of these things before. They're still 
you know, doing their shorts and, and kind of honing their skills. They haven't even gotten to that level yet. So, um, you know, being able to have those conversations and, you know, drop those nuggets, I think is really fun. Now you do a lot of advocacy for other artists. Why is that something you enjoy doing? I think it's because I love the arts. I, you know, the, the, uh, Dean at the College of Fine Arts says that the arts are essential. And I, I do, I agree with that. I, I, I think that we, um, appreciate art, even if we don't think we understand it. Um, you know, one, one quick anecdote, uh, after the October 1st shooting, we had the first art walk planned the following Friday. Um, and Nancy Usher, she was thinking, you know, should we cancel it? Should we not cancel it? Would it be, you know, uh, not, you know, a bad thing to do to continue on? And we continued on anyway. I think about two, 300 people showed up and it really was cathartic. That entire week, everyone was in this fog because you knew someone there or, you know, someone was working it or someone was at Mandalay Bay, whatever it was. And the people who came to that art walk, I mean, you could palpably feel that it was, they could breathe that sigh of relief finally. And so I just, I'm a fan of that, whether it's punk music or classical or, you know, film but, score. Where does your personal personal uh, sort of belief in in helping others come from? A lot of people, you know, just want to make a check and, and forget about everything else. You know, I don't know specifically, but I feel like, you know, Gila and myself, Gila, uh, you know, immigrated here from Kabul when the Russians invaded. Um, and, you know, my parents got out just before the Islamic Republic could take over. And so we are, you know, the kids of immigrants. Actually, Gila's an immigrant herself kind of thing. And I th think that viewpoint and that perspective is where we get this. Everything about our cultures is community and not necessarily the individual, right? And so mm -hmm. I think that's kind of where it stems from. I, I want to talk about the arts community at large. When I, I typically ask people in the arts community about how it's going here, everybody really is enthusiastically saying, yeah, oh yes, it's growing, it's crazy. Yet people still are asking the question because beyond the arts scene, people just aren't sure. So in the 15 or so years you've been in Las Vegas, how would you describe the growth or the non-growth of the local arts scene? Or how do you see it? I, I have been attracted to the arts music theater scene here uh, since I moved, since before we moved here. You know, again, Gila grew up here, so her... Family was here when we got married in 2001. We would come out frequently and we would go to shows at Bunkhouse and, you know, go to the galleries downtown on First Friday and see that kind of evolve. Um, but I, I feel like I respect local artists of all, you know, aspects and genres uh, in this town because what they are all battling is the billion dollar advertising that's going out for the strip. It is so hard to be an artist and say, okay, come to my show. But then there's, you know, Celine Dion and, you know, Blue Man Group and all these things that everyone else wants to kind of go see. How do you cut through all of that marketing to get people to know about your art exhibition or what have you? And so um, I think, you know, we're kind of scrappier and we, we're hungrier. And, and I, I really like that about the local art scene. Uh, that's awesome. Again, uh, Shahab Zaghari, he is a filmmaker, a record label owner, a photographer, a videographer, 
and communications specialist for UNLV's College of Fine Arts. To say he is a renaissance man in Las Vegas is not an overstatement, even though he's shaking his head. You're too kind. And and if you want to get more information about him, his label, and his films, go to our website, knpr.org. Shahab Zaghari, sorry I butchered your name. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you for having me.